Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Wow, it has been a beautiful time uh, over this week of prayer. And uh, as we've just gathered those 24 7, your 168 hours, awesome. But that exciting news, if you didn't catch it right at the beginning of the services, we wanted to leave that, that space open. The chapel will not be being reset at this moment in time with all of those pews. We're going to leave it so you can come in and make the most of gathering in prayer. Prayer is powerful. It works, yes? And amen? We've seen it. We saw salvations this week. We saw people reconciling with family members. We saw healings. We've seen all sorts of wonderful things that God does. Uh, but I have been just, again, mindful of the last previous couple of weeks we preached into that and, and talked into the amazing thing about prayer is uh, you, you, you can come with your agenda, but you'll soon lose it when your eyes fix on Him. Because prayer changes our perspective. Prayer isn't about trying to change God, it's about us being changed to fit in with God's will, to fit in with how God sees things and what He's doing, and and submitting our will to His as we come in prayer and worship. And I was at communion time in the lunch hour on Friday, and, and we just had a time of thanksgiving, a time of just saying thank you to God in the room, and people were just you know, popcorning their prayers out of what they were thankful for and, and what was in their heart that they were thankful to Jesus for as we came around and we took of the, the bread and the juice and reminding ourselves of all that Jesus has done. And, and someone just said, uh, you know, just out loud, he's such a giving God. He's such a giving God. And this morning I want to talk to you about, we serve a generous God. God is incredibly generous. In fact, over the next three weeks, I want to talk into the idea of uh, the generosity of God and what that should do for each of us as his followers, as his people. You see, God's uh, throughout Scripture, you can gain this idea and this understanding of just how generous God is. Just how wonderfully giving our great God is. It's woven all through Scripture from creation to the fall to the redemption, the glorification, ultimately, of course. And you have it on earth. And God's, God's nature to his people should motivate us to follow his example. Because he is a generous God, we should be a generous people. When you flip through Scripture, uh, just as John was leading us in our, our time of giving before, and out of it, you know, from, from the Old Testament in Proverbs where he was reading, you can come right through the New Testament. There's these times where God speaks, these moments where, where you come across you know, these, these passages that remind us of the generosity of God. And how it affects his people. I I love in Acts chapter 2, you have one of those passages. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Seems to me like there's a, a connection between the generosity that was displayed amongst God's people and the effect that that has on others who don't yet know him. Gordon MacDonald puts it like this. He says, there's no separateness between Christ followers in this early church. The rich and the poor came together. There was an overflow of sharing, so much that it seemed as if the fellowship engaged in share and share alike. There's this deep principle at work here, McDonald says. Profound conversion of heart produces a natural generosity. The power of Christ unbinds the selfish heart. It generated a love and compassion between people that was so intense that no one could hold on to anything extra when someone else appeared in personal need. Oh, that sounds like a church I want to be a part of, huh? Or does that frighten you? <laughs> Profoundly, this statement that conversion produces a, a, a heart change that produces a natural generosity. You see, when we've had the, the, the overwhelming experience of our salvation and it's taken deep root in each of our lives and as we're molded into the image of the one who made us and we see his heart, his heart becomes our heart through the intimacy and the time we spend when we behold him, we will become like him and as we do so, generosity is a hallmark of God's people. Just like joy should be a hallmark of God's people. Just like, you know, uh, love should be a hallmark of God's people. Generosity is another one of those things that should mark us as people are different in the world. Because we are in a world that does not love to give. We are in a tight-fisted, Western-style me culture approach to life that ref doesn't reflect the generosity of a generous God. Here's the definition of generosity. The quality of being kind, I like that, understanding, and not selfish. The quality of being generous, especially a willingness to give money and other valuable things to others. See, when we talk about generosity, we aren't just talking about possessions or wealth or money. However, Inevitably, generosity comes down to being able to share or give away that which you have. Come on, who here knows they've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit at work in their life? Yeah? Come on. So you don't hold on to that. Holy Spirit's in you for blessing somebody else, yeah? That's the idea. Uh, when we uh, uh, receive freely, we're supposed to give freely. And in our world, there are some incredibly generous people. There's also some really rich people. Today, the 10 richest people in the world control 1.3 trillion in wealth. This scale of wealth, that's equivalent to approximately 1.4% of the world's economy, 10 people. That's Amazon's entire market cap. 
or spending one million a day for 3,000 years. In fact, it's double the amount just seen two years ago. Elon Musk is currently the richest person in the world. Did you know that? Probably did. Guess what his net worth is? It's rhetorical. You don't have to shout it out. I don't expect you to know it. 212.1 billion US dollars. Let me just help you fathom how much money that is. At 212 billion, at a rate of 2%, every second of his day is worth $49,000. So when he drops a hunch on the floor, it's not worth his time to bend down and pick it up. He can leave those for me, or you. Let's be generous. Elon Musk's wealth, if it was in cash, of course it's not all in cash. If it was in cash, he gave everyone on earth $10 tomorrow, he would still be worth $135 billion, not million, billion dollars. That still puts him up within the top three richest people in the world. Now, Elon Musk, though he's one of the world's wealthiest person, but the world's most charitable person is still Bill Gates. Now, now he's, he's only worth a, a paltry $129.5 billion at the fourth richest person in the world. But his ambition is to give away 99% of his wealth. How about that? That is generosity, right? In fact, Bill Gates has given away somewhere around $28 billion of his wealth through his charities, primarily the, the one he started with his, his, uh, his late wife to be eradicated certain diseases and uh, you know, earth uh, vaccines and all of those sorts of things. Here is what we must note both about his wealth and his generosity. You see, in a, in a worldly sense, to look at this kind of wealth, for us, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? Just absolutely mind-boggling. It'd be the same as if you took someone from a developing country that's earning like, uh, you know, a, a couple of dollars a day and put them next to you, it'd be the same mind-boggling thing. As they look at you, we look at them, these sort of people. It's staggering. What do you even do with that much money? But in regards to his generosity, it is stunning, of course. He's given away more wealth than some countries have to eradicate disease. That is generous. No one could argue with that. But what I want you to understand is that generosity is not about how much you have and therefore how much you have to give away. Generosity is toward an attitude of the heart in wanting to be open-handed, to release what we have towards others. And most importantly, as disciples, is to allow God to be in control of what we have. What we possess, whether it's large or whether it's small, needs to come under the Lordship of Jesus. We'll talk more into that next week. You see, we model how we use what we have based on the character of God. And God is incredibly generous, and so we should be a generous people. Now, Bill Gates, unbelievably generous, until you compare him to the generosity of our Creator. And then he looks like a hoarder. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. All you have, all we are, 
has been given to us by God. In fact, you, you, you begin to get a sense of the character and the nature of God by just considering his generosity, by considering how he's woven into our existence, whether we love him or not, certain things that are delightful, uh, that don't need to be delightful, but they are, like food. He could have all made it taste the same, but he didn't. It, thank you, Jesus. That he made all things just incredibly different. Or those spectacular sunsets we've been seeing recently. And you look out and you think, oh, he could have just made it all black and white. But he's made these landscapes of all the different colors and, and how beautiful these things are. Now, these are called common graces. And whether you love God or not, whether you, were, you, know, uh, you know him or not, these are things that we all enjoy simply because of his, the generosity of God in bringing all things together as he has. And what I want us to do today is very simply stop to take a look at the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and just look at how incredibly generous they are. And my hope is that we might leave this place being all the more uh, understanding of just how generous God is rather than being so aware of what we don't have. And what we want, and what we haven't been given, and what we feel like we deserve, or any of those things. And that our, our minds and hearts, just like being transformed when you come into prayer for long periods of time. Again this morning, by just sitting in his word and understanding how generous it is, he would change how, how we see the generosity of God. Winston Churchill once said, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. How good's that? You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. Generosity should be a lifestyle. And I'd love us to explore that as we learn to become a supernaturally generous church. And I use that word supernatural because, uh, you know, I, I know in me it's going to take a supernatural work of God to open up my hands sometimes to a little more, yeah? It's His grace at work in my life that allows us to be a changed people to reflect and demonstrate the generous nature of our generous God. And it's about a supernatural work of his Holy Spirit to bring these things about. So let's start with the Father. Let's have a look at the generosity of God the Father. God the Father's generosity is in the fact that he gives us Jesus. The generosity of the Father is seen in sending the Son. Let's go to that all too familiar passage in John 3, 16, where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Here's the thing that makes the generosity of God so stunning and so different than, say, the, the generosity of a Bill Gates. What makes God so different is his generosity is pointed at his enemies. 
God's generosity isn't just to those who he, he, he kind of, you know, we would say, I can, it's easy for me to be generous to a friend. It's easy for me to be generous to, to someone. He sees all people in such great need and is moved with compassion out of his very nature for all the world. So much so that he gave his one and only son. Think about it. We are all in rebellion towards our creator God. We are all firm believers that, that we can be our own God, uh, our, our own authority. We know what's best for us in our lives. And the response of God is not to come and destroy us, to condemn us, but to give us a way to be reconciled in love with him. Even though we're in rebellion against him. Wow. He creates a way out from under our failures, under our our shortcomings under our rebellion, eradicating past sins and present struggles and future screw-ups. I mean, he's, he's there for it all. How generous is God the Father that he sends his son? How, how does this generosity work its way out in our, in, in our lives? Well, Romans says this. It says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the lord might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit there are two things that become extremely important for us to understand here about how god is sending the son and how that marks a generosity in our hearts and our lives. And the first is this, it's that we are not able to obey the law. You and I are not going to be able to keep the law in such a way that it makes us right before God. That's why Jesus came. We're not going to be able to do enough good things to purchase enough favor from God to justify our own actions and selves. If you have stumbled in here this morning, exhausted from trying to tick and check the boxes, the Bible says that you don't have to check the boxes. Yeah, that'll make you happy. God has done what the law could not do, weakened as it was by our flesh, by doing what? By sending the Son. What's the Son going to do? He's going to fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law. The second piece here is that Jesus has provided all that is required when it comes to the law that he has fulfilled it all. Now, some of us think, surely there's something I could do. Surely that's not exactly it. Surely it's grace plus, right? Surely there's something I can add to make myself feel a little better about doing something to fulfill this law, right? But when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to God forgiving you, delighting in you, calling you his own, you can do nothing to help him with that. Salvation belongs to God and God alone. 
And it's Jesus who justifies you by grace through faith. The generosity of God the Father is seen in sending the Son. A costly thing for Jesus to do. And God's generosity seen in sending the Son to redeem those gladly in rebellion against him. But when we see Jesus coming and giving his life, God the Father sends the Son. What an incredibly generous thing to do. And then you look at Jesus, and Jesus lays down his life. That's the incredibly generous part of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Have a look at what it says in John 10, 18. No one takes it from me, meaning his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. See, it becomes important for us to understand this. Yes, Jesus is arrested by men. He is whipped, beaten, and hung upon a cross by men. But it's really important that we understand that Jesus is not killed by the authority and power of mankind. Rather, he is killed by his own submission to the Father's will. In fact, on two separate occasions working this way out, the first place is in the garden, and you know it's coming near to his arrest. And Peter, you know, Peter, you know, he there, he's, he's going to stand up for Jesus. He lops the ear right off that, that, that guard. You can imagine being that guard, you know, like, what the heck? We're coming for him. What are you doing? You know? And then the guy you're coming for walks over, picks your ear up, and puts it back on. I'm out. I'm out. Someone else can arrest him. Someone else can do this. What's this guy? He just healed me. I'm not, I'm not going after it, but yet still it happens. And Jesus turns to Peter. He says, do you not know that I could call out to my father and have at my disposal 12 legions of angels? Thanks, Pete. I don't need your help. And then he goes to Pilate and Pilate's thinking, you know, oh, Jesus says, you think you're crucifying me? You have no power except what was given to you from heaven. The death of Jesus was a laying down of his own life. The, the sign of generosity is Jesus laying down his life on his, of his own will is so that we too can become imitators of this humble laying down of our lives. When James and John get their mum to do the dirty work for them and come to Jesus saying, hey, do you think the kids could like be like your right hand guys, you know, when it, one, maybe one on your right, one on your left. You know, when you come into your kingdom, would that be okay? They could rule with you. They're pretty good. You've seen them, you've hung out with them. They're some of your besties. This is what their mum comes and says. And then Jesus gets them all together and says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. 
Even as the Son of Man came not to serve, be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I want to start at the bottom of this passage. It's in Matthew chapter 20, 25 to 28. And I start at the bottom of this passage. I want to work back up towards the top. The bottom of the passage says, Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. We've already covered this. You and I owe a debt that we cannot pay. Salvation is in God's hand alone. We just can't pay it. There's no amount of good you can do. Purchase the forgiveness of the Father. His acceptance, it's all up to what Jesus did. And Jesus' life is one he does not owe. He has not sinned. He has not rebelled. He in every way was perfect. No sin in him. And he, and he alone can pay the debt we owe that we cannot pay. And he gives his life as a ransom for us, for all. Now we're being conformed into the image of the Son. And what we're being conformed into is a greater and greater dying to self. And, and, and what he says is, you will not, as my sons and daughters, you will not, not be lording it over others. I've been gracious to you. I've demonstrated, he says, that I am, even though the first among you, I will be the last. Even though I'm the leader, I will be your slave. Don't use the powers. Don't use your position over others. You will use how I have gifted you, how I've wired you, how you've been generous to you, and to extend that generosity to others, Jesus is saying. And the paradox here is that the greatness is found in humbling ourselves, yet our culture is consumed with an exaltation of self. And a lot of that has to do with how much you accumulate. Jesus says, no, it's about humiliation. It's about bringing yourself low and giving of yourself and giving of what you have. God sends the Son, the Son laid down his life, and that leaves us with God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit brings gifts to the children of God. That's how generous he is. Oh, you, you, you like Christmas time? Love Christmas time. Love giving of gifts and seeing people's eyes light up when you get it right. You know, when you get it wrong, it can be so disappointing <laughs> for the giver and the receiver. But it's just wonderful, isn't it? When you, when you give and you see people just enjoy and you think, oh, I nailed that. That's awesome. Look at, look at how much joy that is bringing to them. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings gifts to each of us. If we've received salvation from Jesus, we've been given the gift of eternal life. That's, that's one great gift. But the Holy Spirit himself is the great gift. I will not leave you alone. It's better I go, Jesus says, so that the, the advocate will be with you, the comforter will be with you, the one who will stand with you, will be with you, actually, who will live inside of you. What a wonderful gift. And this gift, this gift of the Holy Spirit does so many wonderful things in and through our lives. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God 
Some have more material resource to pull from, some have more time, some just have a big heart. Others have unique talents that can benefit other people. No matter what the gift, being generous with your gift is the key. You see, it's the active work of the Holy Spirit that enables the gifts he gives within us, enables us to be generous with those towards other people. The generosity of the Spirit himself as a gift to us is mind-boggling. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7 says this, it says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The gift, Holy Spirit, chooses then how to distribute the gifts amongst his body, amongst his people. And he, he, as the gift, might just choose to manifest himself through you any way he wants. Woo! Oh, don't put off one thing saying, oh, I'm not gifted. That healing stuff, I don't have the gift of healing. Well, your gift of compassion to move towards someone and just pray for them might see God exercise his power through you to bring healing into their life. Oh, I'll open myself up for that one. Your gift of leadership might cause you to be in a place where you can prophetically speak out the word of God into other people's lives. Bringing encouragement, uplifting them. See, God sends, gives the Son. The Son lays down his own life. The Holy Spirit brings gifts to the children of God for the common good. And this generosity is now displayed through the work of the Spirit in each of us. Now, there's two ways he can work. And the first way, supernaturally, is that he redeems what might be an intuitive, natural talent that you have. You've ever looked around the world and you can see people who are talented and they're not Christians. They haven't received the power of the Holy Spirit gifting them in a supernatural way like that. But they all have talent, yeah? You can see people's talent. It's on display quite often. But when you become a Christian, Holy Spirit can redeem that natural talent because we're all made in the image of God and he can take that natural talent and do something supernatural with it. That's the first way he works. The second way he works though is what I have just talking about before is that Holy Spirit in you, because you are now a child of God, you're a son and daughter of the Most High, you've been adopted in, brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ now, empowered by his spirit of which he will give gifts to encourage, to lift up and, and work amongst the body so that we all play our part. And the fruit of that comes out within our lives. And I don't know if you've noticed, hopefully you were here um, a few weeks ago when, uh, actually probably a couple of months ago now when we were talking at Mother's Day around the idea that there's supernatural work of the Holy Spirit bringing about the fruit in our lives. Did you notice the context of this fruit, of the generosity of Holy Spirit working in us, is that it's always for the generous benefit of others? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These all benefit other people. They are generous, fruitless Fruit, uh, they, they are generous towards others, the fruit within each of our lives. God the Father is generous because he gave his one and only son. Jesus is generous 
because he willingly laid down his life for a debt you and I couldn't pay. God the Holy Spirit is generous because he gives gifts to children of God to redeem and bless and supernaturally empower them to bring glory back to the Father. How amazing is that we serve a generous God like this. And I just want to do something very simple as we end our time together in the Word this morning and as we re-enter into a moment of worship. I said at the beginning of my message, my hope was here today that you would leave being much more aware of what you've been given than what you don't have. You would leave here today with a greater understanding of the grace and the goodness of God. And I want to give you a moment here just to consider God's goodness towards you. There are really some simple ways you can think this through. So why don't you just close your eyes just for a moment. Let me give you just a a minute or two to what I just like to call count your blessings. Name them one by one. Whatever posture you need to get into to just think how generous God is towards you, how he has blessed you, how he has been generous with you. I want you to be specific. Don't just blanket this. He's generous. Think upon each of the acts of the Godhead and how their generosity towards you enables you to be generous towards others and stop to just be thankful as to the generosity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and how he has dealt so generously with you. The lavish love of God. Reckless is how we describe it sometimes because to us it seems like why would you ever give away such a precious commodity to those who will not receive it, who will treat it cheaply, For those who are in rebellion. But he does. To the extent of giving his own one and only son. To save the world, to not condemn it. Jesus, the willingness of, to lay your own life down. I don't know of anyone else. Well, no one else could have done it because you were the only one perfect. We might have love enough to lay down our life for a friend, but you did it even for your enemies. Willingly gave of yourself for me. Forgiveness I don't deserve, that I have not earned. A mercy to withhold that which I do deserve. 
grace to enjoy all the richness and the goodness of being in relationship with you empowered by your presence Holy Spirit the gift giver thank you thank you Father I want to thank you for these men and women here today. I thank you for the opportunity just to spend time together under the idea of your goodness, your grace, your generosity. We give you praise, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, for laying your life down and Holy Spirit, for strengthening, empowering, and giving gifts so we might live generously towards others, demonstrating that you indeed are a generous God. Thank you, God. Bring a deepening awareness to each of our hearts over the coming weeks of your goodness, of your grace, of your generosity, of your kindness and your richness towards us so that we might be kind and generous and rich towards others. In the giving of ourselves and that which we hold dear to. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.